Well, hello everyone. After uh, a short break, uh, two weeks break, we are back with data-driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen Gana Pigrebna. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Gana. Hello, Gana. Hello, all. Great to be back after you said this short summer break. Yeah. And today we're talking about, uh, well, mostly Hungary, but along the way we will talk about other races that we've missed. And as usual, uh, uh, the goal of, uh, of this, uh, uh, this episode is not to kind of just give an overview of the race. There are plenty of other channels that do it. We, we look at analytics, um, and mm -hmm. so we are going to look at some stats. Exactly. And uh, besides this, uh, for the ones uh, who like uh, racing on the PlayStation or Xbox, we speak about the driver, driver ratings from 2020, but also the new one from 2021. Uh, also, uh, with a focus to see how much uh, these uh, ratings are really uh, valid, how much uh, we can use them for predictions. I think a quite uh, interesting topic, especially as it's going to our roots being data driven. Yeah, and also Patrick found uh, a new study from Amazon that we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, and uh, the question remains the same: Who is the fastest driver or the greatest driver of them all? <laughs> so yeah. today we will find out not about the academic version, but uh, about the version from the industry. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Let's do it. Let's start. Here we go. The driver rankings. Yeah. So this is basically the standing. So if you're following uh, this season, it will not be a surprise to you. Of course, uh, Esteban Ocon was uh, the hero of the latest Hungarian Grand Prix, uh, but uh, the standings are pretty much kind of similar to what uh, they they were when we, I think last time we looked at the, it was uh, when, last time we looked at it it was Azerbaijan I think um, so pretty much nothing changed yeah. <laughs> uh, well we still have a kind of a battle between Lewis Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen sorry and um, yeah so we have kind of uh, uh, varying combination of drivers after that um, but um, yeah so it's good to see that uh, apart from Mercedes we have other um, uh, other constructors can kind of joining the, the competition in the in the recent races yeah. that's right and um, we discussed this uh, various times in our um, podcasts here they come up uh, even if you're not in a car which is normally competitive as uh, sorry Alpine is uh, right at the moment. Uh, they come uh, the chances where the first two uh, teams will be out for whatever reasons and you have to stay motivated, uh, you have to be uh, prepared because the, the opportunity will be uh, there and if you are prepared for that moment uh, you can win the race as uh, Ocon did in Hungary. Yeah, and also if we look at, we will later look at the statistics on the fast, on the, well, on the lead lead laps, like we'll just say, mm -hmm. and uh, actually I've been, uh, both cars did quite well in Hungary, both Con and Alonso, uh, so, you know, it, it's, and in fact, uh, well, we will look later, actually, Con, uh, 
was uh, well leading over womanly over the whole yeah. uh, duration of the race. Uh, so I think it was for, for over for basically sixty five laps he was leading. So that's kind of complete domination. <laughs> it was a complete uh, domination. Uh, uh, but of course, after a lot of the competitors uh, eliminated themselves quite in the beginning. And, yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. I mean, the circumstances were uh, were uh, kind of quite special. I agree, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, we also had Lewis Hamilton in the run, so Mercedes was there. So, in a sense, that the main the main competition was still remaining. Although, yeah, like like you said, uh, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. And, you know, you have, if you have fewer competitors, then it's probably easier. Exactly. And as I said, um, these opportunities uh, come in racing uh, as at least once a year we have such a situation where the, the top contenders are out or somehow uh, slower than normal and you have to be there and then uh, you can win the race as Ocon uh, relatively surprisingly uh, did so in Hungary. Yep. Yeah. I have to say, uh, we, we will also look at the picture, sorry to interrupt uh, Patrick, but I think uh, Stevano Kohn has like the best sunglasses ever. I mean, he's mostly <laughs> in sunglasses in all his pictures. And I looked at quite a few when I was trying to find a picture for today's episode. And he's almost always in some sunglasses and they're all absolutely fabulous. So <laughs> yeah. And we not want to reduce him, of course, to the sunglasses. We will, no, see, no, later no. The, the, <laughs> we will see later the team duels, and he's really uh, uh, doing good uh, if we, we compare him to um, Alonso, which is a, one of the fastest drivers in the field. So it's not uh, pure luck. Uh, uh, Ocon uh, practically the whole season drives on a similar level um, than Alonso. So he is really a, a very uh, skilled driver, and mm -hmm. he deserved uh, this uh, victory. Yes, so we will discuss that as we go along, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so these are the standings. Again, nothing, not a big surprise. And uh, this is the outcome of the Hungarian race. Um, uh, so the, we have Esteban Ocon in, in the first place, Lewis Hamilton in the second place, and Carlos Sainz in the third place. So Alpine Renault, Mercedes and Ferrari, the first three spots. And of course, we had quite a lot of um, um, kind of misfortunes, as you can see, collisions. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we have basically six cars involved in the collision. And uh, uh, well, the usual suspects there, I guess, <laughs> Nikita Mazepin. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of becoming a, no, like no disrespect. To, to Nikita, I'm sure he's a, he's a very good driver, but yeah, I mean, considering uh, his luck this season, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of traditional to see him at the, at the bottom of the grid. Um, and um, yeah, so, but, but other than that, I guess, uh, like I said, uh, Alpine did quite well, even with Alonso being in the fourth place. But uh, when we will look at a kind of the speed, you can actually, or the, the advantage, you actually will see that, um, um, you know, um, Alonso was actually doing quite well as well. 
Exactly, and I just wanted to mention it, if we just see the pure results, uh, of course, all of you who saw the race know it. Uh, Alonso did a great race, and uh, as also Esteban Ocon said later, without uh, Alonso uh, slowing down Lewis Hamilton for so long, uh, most probably Ocon would not have uh, won uh, the race. Uh, another uh, um, uh, point here to mention is, of course, Sebastian Vettel, who also did a great race, but unfortunately uh, had been qualified as there was not one liter uh, fuel left in his car for the tests. Which is, uh, I, I mean, it was also discussed maybe um, FIA should uh, think about the change in regulation for the future because I think for technical purpose it's not needed anymore to really have one litter to do the tests um, after the race. Yeah, I think it's just uh, the, this uh, desire of FIA to kind of equalize the competitors sometimes uh, really hurts the competition amongst the drivers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, on the one hand, uh, I, you know, I appreciate that they want to kind of make everyone relatively equal um, because different uh, different teams have different resources and, you know, yeah. different budgets. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, when, you, when we're talking about driving talent, uh, you know, the, the fact that you are disqualified for such a reason is a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, Anyway, let's... Yeah, so this is what I'm talking the, about. So this is, yeah. if we look at uh, Laps Lad, it's actually uh, Ocon, uh, Hamilton, and Alonso. Not, you know, so not actually, we don't see the Ferrari uh, in the lead here. And um, yeah, Esteban Ocon basically was leading for 65 laps. So it's basically uh, out of 70. So that's a lot. Uh, um, Lewis Hamilton was leading for only three and uh, Alonso for two uh, out of uh, 70. And you can also see the timeline. So it's kind of Lewis Hamilton was there for laps one and two and four. Mm. And then uh, Fernando Alonso basically kind of towards the end of the race, 38, 39. So this is exactly what... Uh, Patrick was talking about when he said that he was kind of slowing down <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, yeah. kind of probably strategically. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, but other than that, it was Ocon. And uh, I want to, again, draw attention to the sunglasses that they are absolutely. So it just motivates me to go to the shop and get uh, some new sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but we still have to find out uh, which sunglasses they, these are. Oh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's uh, easy to find uh, to find out. Yes. I, I guess he's got some some contract. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me uh, I, for for my book and one of our episodes for Enzo Ferrari, I investigated uh, which had been the sunglasses which he which he used mm -hmm. uh, decades ago. This was a little bit more difficult to find out, but. I agree, it should be relatively easy uh, to find out which sunglasses are used here by Esteban. Yeah, I can, I can look, try to look it up now, <laughs> see if, if as, we, as we talk, I can find the answer. Um, Good, yeah. so, uh, so Ascana uh, is um, looking for the sunglasses. Uh, uh, I like here to add regarding the laps lead. I mean, you may have seen the race uh, quite interesting. The first laps, uh, Lewis was 
uh, the restart, uh, he was practically alone, so quite easy um, to lead the race if the others are still standing in the pit lane. And maybe this was another factor which supported Esteban Ocon as maybe this was not the smartest uh, strategy this weekend um, for Lewis Hamilton to stay out while all others uh, came in. Yeah, I can't. Normally, uh, yeah. yeah, I can't on the, on the top of uh, kind of, of of the top here find. Uh, I found uh, a lot of other drivers' sunglasses, but not but not for him. But I mean, maybe we should do a special on sunglasses, and um, I'm sure yeah. that will be quite cool because we wanted for some for quite some time to do a special on helmets. Uh, so I think uh, we need to kind of uh, do a special on sunglasses. That's for sure. Okay, so yeah, we'll 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 do that um, uh, in some in some in some of the next episodes. Exactly. Um, I think there we will have a standalone uh, uh, topic because, as far as I know, there was never a special about Formula One sunglasses. Yeah, and right. um, we can also talk about uh, team team leads, uh, like you know, we can talk about Anza Ferrari and some other folks who were quite who wore quite iconic sunglasses. Um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So as, as usual, just gonna give you the result of the text analytics. Uh, so by now, I actually accumulated quite a lot of text. So probably mm -hmm. for one of the next races, I'm gonna do the overall prediction. So this mm -hmm. is just a prediction based on uh, the Hungarian Grand Prix. And uh, the guy who is uh, the kind of whom you can you could predict almost perfectly, tan tan tan, Valerie Bottas. <laughs> so basically from his, uh, from what he was saying in his Friday press conference, you could almost perfectly map him. <laughs> his performance uh, others are a, a lot more noisy but uh, again uh, yeah I think uh, so for next time what I'm gonna do I'm gonna accumulate all the text and actually see who is the most predictable driver based on interview uh, text uh, so based on what what, what he's saying um, over the whole season I think yes. it will be interesting <laughs> But so far, I that's the result. And yeah, so if we go to the cha championship of constructors, um, again, uh, quite a uh, uh, quite a predictable predictable um, sort of standing. We have Mercedes in the first yeah. place, Red Bull, Honda in the second, Ferrari in the third, and McLaren, Mercedes in the fourth. Uh, very close to Ferrari, so this is kind of the this is where the intrigue lies, I think, at the moment. Um, so they didn't have much luck in in Hungary, but uh, I guess uh, they are very, still very competitive. So it would be an interesting battle over the next few weeks to see. Yeah, um, I mean, it was not only Hungary, but also in uh, Great Britain, uh, um, Red Bull was. Uh, quite off the normal uh, pace uh, regarding the results. So you see always very strong, but after Austria, they're somehow uh, running out of luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just more kind of saying that Ferrari and Mercedes, uh, like they currently have the same number of points. And yeah, yeah. so yeah, so the, 
Hungary wasn't very lucky for Mercedes, McLaren Mercedes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I need to separate <laughs> Mercedes and McLaren Mercedes. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what McLaren kind of does over the next few weeks. Uh, and uh, uh, But if you look at it, I mean, the there's there's already a pretty big gap between Red Bull and Mercedes, although yes. anything can happen. We know that this is Formula One, so anything can, can happen at any time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so we'll, I'm, I'm just hoping that there will be some competition uh, and it's not going to be uh, boring <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, and, uh, as it's been so far. Yeah. Yes. And and as we discussed the victory on, of Esteban Ocon, uh, if uh, we see the uh, Constructors' Championship uh, practically in Hungary, they did uh, a little bit less than half of their points, which they collected uh, over the whole season. So you see this was an extraordinary uh, result for Alpine so far. Of course, we hope that they can keep up uh, this uh, good uh, results. But let's say it, it was a little bit better than they are uh, in average, at least uh, so far. Uh, same, of course, also with Williams, Mercedes, which uh, due to the circumstances uh, got their first points for this season. Yeah, yeah. So of course, yeah, like we said before, the, there was a collision, and uh, yeah. Um, but but um, but on the other hand, yeah, I mean, all these things that happen in Formula One un uh, unexpectedly, exactly. they kind of contribute to the to to, to the excitement and uh, makes uh, the, the, the things like this make the season. Uh, interesting uh, of course i mean the the good thing that no one actually got hurt so and, and uh, that's that's the important part that all the that kind of in the current conditions um the regulations really try to to ensure safety of the drivers although of course uh, yeah. from time to time we do have um we do have incidents that we would rather not have, but um, in this case, uh, yeah, no one got hurt. So, that, you know, and, and we had some interesting uh, outcomes of uh, this race. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I guess uh, this is mostly uh, related to the co collision between uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, where there had been a lot of discussions in, in the media, on uh, social media, of course, as you may imagine. Uh, I assume it's also because we hadn't had such such um, accidents for a long, long time. And uh, due to my opinion, uh, this because there for a long, long time, we hadn't had a real battle for the title, at least uh, not as close as uh, right at the moment. Some years ago, we had it uh, with Vettel and Hamilton, where we also had some uh, smaller accidents. Uh, which had been discussed later. So this, I mean, such an accident as we saw in uh, UK, uh, they, I think it's quite uh, predictable if we have uh, a battle for the title. So it's uh, important that uh, the FIA has the same uh, as the consequent um, answers to such battles as I don't want to blame the one or the other side. It, it's just happening in the heat uh, of the moment when you're battling for the championship. Yes, absolutely. And luckily, nothing happened. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, if this were kind of towards the end of the race, you could say that it could have been strategic because, like, yeah, I heard 
quite a lot of speculation that it was strategic. But uh, I mean, at the beginning of the race, obviously no one wants it. This is, this is yes. ridiculous. Um, uh, so at the beginning of the race, it's the worst possible thing that you can do to yourself to kind of deliberately try to crash into someone. So yes. th that, that's why, you know, I completely kind of want to dismiss uh, this, uh, these types of speculations. But um, yeah, indeed, uh, you know, what the, the outcome, I guess, for other competitors, for six other uh, cars, was quite dramatic mm -hmm. and so uh, essentially yeah they just couldn't couldn't continue uh, and um yeah as a result uh, we had uh, alpine renault there at the top of the grid so which is really cool yeah this uh, this uh, the, uh here um, a view on the team duels always uh, important uh, because the first one you have to beat is your a colleague uh, inside the team because more or less uh, you may say they use the same technology the same uh, car maybe with other specifications sometimes uh, one of the drivers already has an update the other one not but more or less they are using the same material so important uh, to win against uh, your uh, colleague in the same team uh, as before in yellow you see the drivers which joined the team before the 2021 season and uh, still quite interesting in all of the cases um, the driver who already had been part of the 2020 team uh, is leading against uh, the new uh, colleague the new driver uh, this includes also cases where experienced drivers joined the team as Fernando Alonso Sebastian Vettel or Daniel Ricciardo Right. If we only see the numbers, they are still behind uh, experience, general less experienced uh, co-drivers, but uh, the ones who already knew the team from 2020. And this may be also related due to the uh, limitations on testing before the season. So it's in opposite to maybe 10 years ago uh, or 20 years ago, where, uh, for example, Michael Schumacher, uh, used every minute um, before and after the races uh, to sit inside the race car and and uh, test, test, test. Uh, this is not possible, so it's much dif more difficult to get used to a new car. And I think this is why uh, it gets a little bit more difficult to join a new team right at the moment. Yeah, but that also could be, I mean, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's actually, it actually would be interesting to see whether it's because... Uh, these these guys have more experience or is that because there is a kind of st strategic allocation of resources within the team where one guy is uh, ultimately kind of preferred uh, to the other you know so you kind of have number one and number two um, I mean it's not so uh, pronounced uh, in recent years because the the teams are trying yes. to in, in, encourage competition, but uh, at the same time, I think resource-wise, especially in smaller teams, it's definitely like one car is always more uh, in, more more, more yeah. favored. Let's just say than the yes. other. Uh, I agree with you, but let's say if uh, as a team I buy uh, Fernando Alonso, Vettel, or uh, Ricardo. I my idea would be to buy them as the number one drivers. Mm. So I would assume they would not get a number two car mm -hmm. inside the team. Uh, 
But another uh, point uh, maybe uh, uh, could be that the that cars uh, cars are changing via digital transformation. We see that these uh, young drivers uh, uh, they are also very good with the uh, driving simulators. So as the cars getting more electronic, maybe this younger generation. Uh, has an advantage against, let's say, the a little bit more experienced uh, drivers, which helps them this year. Well, of course, uh, in that regard, also Haas is an interesting team because they have it's a new kind of yeah. new new team and two new drivers. Well, Haas in itself is not new, but uh, the team in 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 the current form, let's just say, yeah. is new. Um, and uh, yeah, so here I guess uh, so the green means that Mick Schumacher is uh, is better than Nikita Mazepin by a, a significant margin, right? It's kind yeah. of uh, yeah, over four times better than. <laughs> is it nine yeah. to two? Is that is that is that like is that correct reading, Patrick? Exactly. Uh... And of course, uh, we had the discussions in social media, uh, especially related to uh, Nikita Masepin and his uh, driving skills. Uh, but uh, but this is, is not uh, only related to pure talent. Uh, I, I would assume in this case, we see also the um, importance of preparation. Uh, Mick Schumacher, uh, I mean, he's the son of uh, Michael Schumacher. And due to this, uh, he came quite young into... Uh, motorsports, and uh, I'm sure he got the right connections. Uh, he's part of, he is or was part of the Ferrari Driving Academy, so he had been uh, perfectly prepared uh, for coming into Formula One. While in the case of Nikita Mazepin, I think the preparation was not as solid as the one from uh, Schumacher. Well, it also has to do with sponsorships, right? Uh, considering kind of the speculation around Nikita Mazepin and, and, and on, other, on various forums, uh, yeah. because obviously, you know, the, there is uh, quite a large chunk of money coming into the team uh, because uh, Nikita Mazepin is there, uh, and uh, yes. so that's so that's another reason uh, why it's uh, you know it, it's the, there is uh, even despite the drastic difference there might still be a kind of rational reason to have uh, to have him there. <laughs> yes, uh, of course I agree with you. Um, nevertheless, of course, Mick Schumacher uh, uh, with the name alone, I'm sure he does not have bigger problems getting sponsors mm -hmm. uh, too. Even, well, even if, well, I don't know about his financial background at the moment, but I'm sure the name Schumacher uh, supports you to get uh, the right sponsors anyway. Well, it didn't, it didn't help Ralf Schumacher much, right? <laughs> well, it, well, it helped uh, Ralf Schumacher. Uh, to a, up to, come, to a point, to up one. to a point. Yeah, it was, it was helping him for a while. Okay. Yeah, well, of okay. course, uh, yeah, this yeah. helps you to get into Formula One, but uh, when you're in Formula One, uh, if you want to, to really be competitive, uh, you have to have talent, you have to prepare yourself. It doesn't help to have millions of US dollars. Uh, as even with all the money, I don't think you can buy a seat uh, in the Mercedes team, for mm -hmm. example, or in the Red Bull team. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it develops. Well, so far, yeah, so far it's kind of, I guess, experience over 
uh, over over freshman that's for mm-hmm. sure so that's what we observe Let's come to something completely different. And now on to something completely different. <laughs> right. And uh, um, if you're not uh, um, that much uh, inside uh, gaming, uh, there is, of course, uh, every year a new Formula One game, including the actual drivers, more or less the actual uh, tracks. Uh, of course, due to COVID and the changes in last minutes, um, the game does not include uh, all the tracks as they get really used inside the season, but normally uh, these games include actual drivers, actual cars, and uh, actual uh, racetracks. Every year, they uh, shortly before they published the new game, um, the programmers from Codemasters, they published the uh, driver ratings. Uh, this driver ratings, it's a number and it includes uh, four parts, experience, rate draft, awareness, and uh, pace. So pace. Each, you will see, you see this in, on the next uh, slide. Uh, and they have this, of course, for every driver. Interesting as uh, these numbers uh, are based uh, on, uh, data, um, on data. So for example, experience, this is based off the number of races a driver has entered in their career. Racecraft is defined as positions gained or lost in the race compared with an average for that grid position. Mm-hmm. Awareness, a measure of the driver's ability to avoid incidents and penalties in the race. It drops the more frequently any penalty taken is due to the driver's error. And the last but not least, uh, the pace, a measure of the driver's best lap times being closer to the fastest lap yields at a higher pace score. So all four parts of this they're really based uh, on on mathematics, on statistics. So that's not not something um, which is, uh, is um, just uh, based on personal opinion. So these are strict uh, numbers. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, course, historical data on exactly, driver performance. Exactly, historical mm-hmm. data. But of course. Uh, you can may always argue if the historical data is really what makes a good driver a good uh, driver. Mm-hmm. So here I have uh, the values from uh, 2020, from the 2020 game. Uh, you see the fastest, uh, the drivers, uh, with the driver with the highest points. Uh, this is from uh, one to 100. Um, is uh, Lewis Hamilton. He has a total rating of uh, 94. Then comes Verstappen with 90, Bottas with 90, uh, Vettel with 89, um, and uh, so on. So you see here the total rating, and also I uh, gave you here the numbers for the four parts, experience, racecraft, awareness, and pace. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, all of this is based on uh, historical data. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I uh, not did the mathematics to see uh, uh, to which parts all of these uh, four uh, topics uh, relate to the total ratings. If uh, each of these is 25% or if they're somehow different uh, weighted, because uh, the weighted, this would be something which would be based on a personal opinion. And uh, here then uh, you may say that... Uh, Codemasters would be biased if they say everything has the same importance, or let's say pace is uh, twice as important than experience. This 
would be based on a expert opinion. So to be honest, I didn't uh, do the mathematics for this. Yeah, well, um, it's, a, what it's, I some, wanted, it's uh, some sort of, uh, it's, it should be some sort of weighted average. So yeah, in that sense, yeah. it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. um, what I wanted uh, to find out here is uh, how much um, I can use this Codemasters driver ratings uh, for uh, predict predictions purpose. You, you remember the, the game normally gets published uh, in the first half of the season or at the half of the season. Uh, so we see uh, Lewis Hamilton, which is due to Coastmasters, the strongest drivers. He comfortable uh, won the team duels in 2020, 11 to 6 against uh, Valtteri Bottas, uh, who is the weaker driver inside the team based on uh, Codemasters. Uh, we see uh, Lewis Hamilton was the fastest, uh, the strongest drivers due to Codemasters, and uh, he won the 2020 Formula One season also in reality. Uh, uh, the, the logical consequence. Well, we don't know. We, we, don't, we don't know yet, right? You no, mean 20, this is 2020. This is last you, you, year. No, no, no. You, you, you. Sorry, you just said 2021. Yeah, so 2020. Oh, yeah, yes. he won 2020. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't, so, uh, we don't know. We don't know yet about 2021. <laughs> it's going that way. <laughs> so, so, Patrick, you're probably right. He might win that one as well. But uh, correct. Yeah. But uh, sorry, what I wanted to say is uh, he won the 2020. He's the strongest drivers. He won 2020. And uh, if you are the strongest driver, if you are winning the championship, the consequence is that you should stay uh, in the team because um, Mercedes uh, provides you the car uh, to, um, to really uh, uh, fulfill all your uh, skills, uh, perform on the level which you can be. So if you are the fastest drivers, you win the championship, you are there where you should be, and consequently, consequently you should stay uh, in the team. Uh, Max Verstappen um, uh, was the second strongest driver based on, well, sorry, uh, he and Fateri Bottas on the same level with 90. Uh, so he became third, only uh, um, behind uh, Bottas, so he's also there where he should be, same with uh, Bottas. Uh, but let's say, for example, uh, Sebastian uh, Vettel, due to Codemasters, he had 89. With this, he's the fourth uh, strongest driver inside the, the championship, but only came in on the 13th uh, position. So something is here had been out of the equilibrium. This could be that, uh, uh, that uh, you are too weak for the car you're driving on, or you are, you are good, but the car isn't good. So... Consequently, uh, you should uh, leave the team if the gap is too um, big. And uh, he left uh, from Ferrari to uh, Aston Martin. So uh, due to that he was out of the equili equilibrium, um, he uh, did the right uh, choice uh, changing um, the team. Um, and uh, let's say... Uh, uh, well, similar to who is also out of, uh, um, for example, another example, um, Lando Norris, uh, he's the 14th strongest uh, driver, but uh, he came in on position nine. 
which you may say that his talent is uh, was higher than the uh, McLaren car in 2020. So he would have been one of the candidates uh, to rise up to to change to a team which is a little bit stronger. And I mean, there is the discussion that uh, he would be a good candidate for the Mercedes-Benz in 2022. So Lando Norris, just uh, on this data, would be one of the candidates to change to a stronger team. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, and of course, I uh, perform 2021 to see how is this uh, going, um, how much I can use the 2020 Codebusters numbers to predict the 2021 season. Um, uh, so, and so just speak about uh, numbers, Lewis Hamilton, uh, in, uh, here the, um, the positions had been uh, uh, for after the race, the second race from Austria. So it's here, uh, Lewis Hamilton was on the second position. Uh, so he had a negative gap of minus uh, one. So he's still the so he's the strongest drivers, but he was behind uh, Max Verstappen. Um, meaning, if it would stay that way, uh, Lewis Hamilton theoretically may lo uh, look to switch to uh, Red Bull, which may have had uh, the strongest car after Austria. Uh, a little bit more extreme uh, is, uh, for example, here Kimi Raikkonen. He is the top rating with 87, the fifth the strongest uh, driver, but in uh, 2021, he's only on the 15th position. So uh, his results uh, show a big gap uh, related to his uh, skills due to codemasters, meaning theoretically, if we just uh, limit, um, if we adjust the limit on these numbers, uh, Kimi should uh, think about uh, changing to a faster team. Of mm. course, these numbers don't uh, represent total reality because there are many other factors. For example, Kimi may be close uh, to retirement and maybe one of the reasons why he's in uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber is because the team is very near uh, to his uh, home. So he doesn't like to travel a lot. So he enjoys being uh, just, being, uh, just uh, driving. Uh, even if the results are maybe not as good as he would stay, would be, I don't know, let's say in Alpine or in McLaren. Mm -hmm. So far to the 2020 uh, ratings, I think one month ago, Codemasters published the 2021 20, ratings. Uh, quite uh, similar uh, to 2020, what you see in yellow are the bigger gaps. So quite interesting, uh, Lewis Hamilton lost seven points regarding awareness. And uh... Okay. A lack of awareness. So, so uh, here's something which the Codemasters uh, driver ratings may have been correct. Of course, the, uh, the such, uh, this is, may not be statistically relevant, but uh, pure luck that the numbers 
predicted such an accident or, or coming together to say it like this, but if I just see the numbers, I, uh, the accident confirmed Codemaster's understanding that Luis lost six points in awareness. Um, other stronger uh, losses are, uh, for example, uh, Sebastian Vettel lost uh, six. Oh, Kim, in, Kimi Raikkonen as well. Yes. Kimi Raikkonen, seven. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe losing uh, awareness could be uh, a sign of age or how, if I not only think about uh, historical data, but want to understand what is behind the historical um, data, because I not only, only want to see the statistical relation, but also the causal relation, why you lose awareness, for example. But, so, but anyway, uh, even if the Codemasters uh, historical data does not define the whole universe, I thought it's a quite interesting uh, collection of numbers uh, to see how much we can use it for predictions purpose, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would be nice to maybe try to do some regressions on this and actually try to make predictions. Um, it's of course uh, quite a small sample, but uh, you know, if yeah. we if we can try, we can try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so and this is the new study that uh, that Patrick found. Yeah. To, to be honest, I haven't heard about it, but yeah, I think um, it's it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I mean, this is uh, uh, related uh, to the study. Um, but this is not directly about the study. In fact, this was uh, came out uh, uh, June 16th, and this is a press release that uh, Amazon Web Services, which includes, for example, the cloud services, machine learning, uh, AI, etc., will become a strategic uh, provider for the Ferrari team. So this will be... Uh, uh, one of their providers, and this sh uh, shows uh, clearly that uh, data becomes a more important part of uh, Formula One, and the teams understand that they not only need uh, the best engines, the best um, uh, aerodynamics, best uh, sunglasses, uh, whatever, but also it's important uh, to have uh, a big um, uh, have big data. And even more important to have uh, smart uh, data, meaning you have meaningful data, which help you to develop uh, your car, uh, develop your uh, uh, simulation um, uh, group you have inside the racing team. So uh, we see that Formula One teams uh, getting uh, more into AI and uh, machine learning. And here Ferrari, uh, partners up, I think, with one of the biggest uh, players uh, regarding machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, with Amazon Web Services, and this uh, should support them for the development of next cars, which should development maybe also for having um, more successful race strategies and so on. Well, we uh, when when we've done the study on on this on kind of the use of data in Formula One, we actually found that Ferrari and Mercedes are the two teams that are really innovate innovative on the modeling side. So, in a sense, uh, there is a lot of uh, data 
uh, available to teams, but uh, teams like, for example, McLaren, who uh, essentially are the inventors of the Atlas system that is used uh, for analytics by the majority of teams in the sport, uh, they actually tend to suffer from this um, uh, information overflow. So that means that they're not actually, they have a lot of data, but they basically are not using this um, data to innovate on the modeling side. So they're kind of pr pro probably looking at too many variables and not considering the variables that are important to the extent uh, that other teams are doing that, like, for example, Ferrari and Mercedes, who seem to be very successful in innovating on the, on the modeling, on, on uh, actual kind of uh, developing new ways of analyzing the data. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, uh, besides this, this, it goes also in another direction where these partnerships should support um, Ferrari's uh, contact to their fans as it may offer digital fan, en fan engagement on different uh, platforms uh, and so on. So it may uh, give also a new opportunities to market uh, Ferrari inside the net. Mm -hmm. But with this, we're coming now finally uh, to the uh, mentioned study where Amazon Web Services wanted to find out using machine learning uh, who is the fastest uh, drivers. Um, you see here also the link and we will put it also in the information here so you can uh, click on this and they, there you get more uh, details. Um, in a nutshell, uh, what did Amazon was to uh, compare the team duels, so something what we spoke about uh, to see uh, how one driver uh, compares to the direct um, uh, colleague inside the team. And uh, then, of course, uh, drivers are changing besides the team. And then they so they can do a comparison with another driver. And somehow uh, this uh, connects with this with the idea that uh, driver, driver A is better than driver B and driver B is better than driver C. Driver A normally would be also better than driver C. See, it's from a mathematical point of view, of course, um, there may be also some uh, critics as, uh, as cars, for example, cars um, are changing. Uh, this, this could mean that if you have a different kind of car, uh, for example, if you're having a turbo car, if you have a hybrid car, uh, based on the different cars you're using, maybe driver A is, is uh, um, the better driver if you're having a turbo car, but in a hybrid area, driver C is better than uh, driver A. So it's a, uh, I see some uh, critics um, to this uh, setup uh, of the study, uh, but I have also to be honest, I only have the uh, information which a Amazon published. So maybe they somehow addressed it inside their study. Um, so, as to, so to be honest, uh, I, I mean, First of all, you see here the results. Uh, strongest driver, Ayrton Senna, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso. I mean, if I see the number, these five, uh, even if I not have any kind of data, I mean, this would be somehow the candidates, which I would say had been the fastest drivers from 81, uh, sorry, 83 to today. So 
I not uh, I cannot say that this uh, study is uh, awful uh, wrong, even if I have my critics. Maybe a little bit surprising is uh, Heike Kovalainen on position number eight, uh, on the Jano Trolli on the nine. But uh, besides this, I mean, these are the typical candidates you would have uh, if we think about Formula One in the last uh, 40 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely there are quite, quite a lot of questions to the study in terms of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, not only the makes, but also, you know, there are various uh, circumstances under, under which you compete, right? And it uh, depends. Yeah. Uh, on a particular season and uh, some people were probably not on form in certain seasons so yeah i wonder how this uh, kind of is um corrected for in the in the modeling approach so that's interesting um but uh something tells me i mean uh, like for example the makes uh, the, this problem that patrick you mentioned i don't think it's possible to control for it um, yeah. I mean, you can just in, include maybe some fixed effects for the teams and then hope that that's going to take care of any heterogeneity in teams, but then still, like, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty impossible. Exactly. I, mm -hmm. I mean, and these are two points uh, from my uh, side, uh, for example, how I don't know how they uh, addressed the aging factor. Uh, for example, I think it, it was something difficult uh, to win against Michael Schumacher in the beginning of 2020 when he won all the championships with Ferrari, then uh, driving against Michael Schumacher uh, later on as he returned to Formula One in Mercedes-Benz where Nico Rosberg, uh, I think, was uh, in average the fastest driver uh, against Michael Schumacher. So I don't know how they uh, addressed uh, this aging and uh, Unfortunately, uh, that uh, the driver is becoming uh, slower. And also, uh, to quote uh, Juan Manuel Fancho, uh, the question is how, uh, and I think it's not possible to completely separate the human from the machines as one drivers are more adapted to one technology. And if there are changes in technology due to regulations, they may be not as good as before. So I think there, it's not possible to completely separate uh, results uh, um, the, uh, the human from the car. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is uh, just as a tip to Amazon. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're watching this uh, this podcast. I'm sure they are. <laughs> well, yeah, so, or at least some of, some of their uh, software is watching our so our, yeah our episode. Definitely. So what I what what I wanted to say is that uh, actually the lists of uh, people who work in the teams actually published now. And uh, so it would probably make more sense to look at networks of people rather than single drivers. So that would take care of, uh, of Patrick's, uh, yeah, the this, this second point, which I think is also very important because indeed, uh, uh, so for example, when we looked at it, we found that actually the team leader is kind of more important than the, 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 the drivers the, 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 that are driving. So if, if, you, if you have an experienced, uh, um, team leader who, or team principal who was a competitive driver in the past. And even if you pair this person with a rookie driver, then they're likely to do quite well. So 
yeah, that tells us that probably, you know, if we look at maybe, you know, team principal drivers and maybe chief engineers uh, or something like this, then we will get a much better idea of uh, what actually uh, contributes to wins and podiums. And yeah, these comparisons might be quite a lot uh, more weighted and uh, better sort of structured. But I mean, I agree in terms of rank ranking, it looks quite good. It certainly looks a lot better than the study from University of Sheffield that we discussed uh, earlier, uh, where they found, uh, I think that Fungio was the, the, the best driver uh, of them all. Um, based on also quite quite very quite strict assumptions i would say so yeah definitely ariton senna looks uh, a lot more probable uh, more of a probable candidate in that regard so that looks a lot more credible this yeah. list um, Anna, i just lost you so i just had this okay mm. Uh, Gana, I lost you for 10 seconds, but I think the um, recording was okay. I, I just wanted to mention, uh, to be fair, you, uh, this study uh, not even uh, included uh, uh, Juan Manuel Fancho because uh, it's only going back to 1983. 19, 18, so maybe, uh, maybe this, uh, this uh, setup, this method would also conclude, conclude uh, Juan Manuel Fancho would have been the best of all times. We don't know because it's just going back to 83. Yeah, but I think they need, um, I mean, because they're comparing drivers to each other, that's a little bit prevent, that prevents them from going back to 1950, because as we know, people shared drives, yeah. shared cars. Exactly. Uh, right. So, and, and, and yeah, there are all sorts of complications there. So I think there was a, probably a strategic point, not only because of data yes. that they have, uh, and, uh, you know, they're obviously also looking at, uh, qualifying not only the races themselves so yeah i mean this is yeah um, so right. yeah it would be interesting to see the details of how exactly they calculated things but but in any case uh, amazon analysts uh, consider actually looking to actually look at networks rather than i mean you're already looking at network but this is probably yeah. not the most optimal way of looking at networks yeah maybe mm -hmm. All right, and, uh, and yeah, so here, this I, is this collaboration new, uh, with Ferrari, right? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, uh, this is not really directly related to uh, Amazon, but uh, if, if you understand the cooperation between Amazon and Ferrari, uh, this uh, press uh, release, which came out one month later, makes, of course, perfectly sense that uh, Ferrari uh, uh, completed the construction of a new state-of-the-art uh, simulator facility because if you have uh, the best data, you need uh, a simulator to work with the data. So you, if you have such a good smart data, you need a state-of-the-art simulator to really uh, uh, work with the data uh, to predict how changes uh, to strategies, to cars uh, would um, affect uh, the outcome of the race, of the competition. So having the uh, maybe one of the best uh, data providers, it makes perfectly uh, sense to have a state-of-the-art uh, simulation facility for the racing team. Yep. So we definitely will see what uh, the data has to say uh, in the next few years. Yep. 
um, and there is quite a lot of data-driven decision making going on in Formula One anyway. Um, and yep. um, actually, in one of our next historical episodes, we will discuss uh, the beginning, the kind of the beginning of it, right? So this is kind of mid seventies when we had uh, Nikki Lauda, who kind of completely revolutionized uh, the uh, analytics within uh, Formula yep. One and uh, even though it always has been based on you know testing and data and uh, uh, looking at a lot of numbers and trying to decide what um, what is the best way to actually take this data and turn it into business insight um you know yeah definitely the, the the availability of data and more importantly availability of new ways of analyzing data um and all these interesting sort of uh, collaborations between formula one companies and large techno technological companies like amazon uh should uh, provide us with some interesting new insights hopefully so looking yeah. forward to that definitely me too all right on that happy note i guess uh yeah we're done with uh, this episode uh, so uh, as usual i just want to uh, emphasize that our goal was to uh, not to just look at the current season but provide you with some uh, statistics and uh, analytics of it um, kind of on more technical side and uh, we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next yeah. time. Yeah, at least it's good that uh, Formula One is really getting data driven. Yeah, certainly. So um, thanks a lot for watching. Let us know your comments and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye bye.